0: Hello and welcome to the Scale and Edge. Today we have our guest, Caleb Avery from TILD. Welcome, Caleb, to the show. We're excited to have you. We talked a little bit before the show. I'm excited to uh, get to know you a little bit more you know, while we do this interview. So uh, can you please introduce yourself, Caleb?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Caleb Avery. I'm the, the founder and CEO here at TILD. So I'm a father of three based in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, I really spent my entire career in the payment space. So started uh, about 11 years ago, going door to door, selling payments to, to small business owners and over time scaled that up. And now I'm the founder here at till
0: That's awesome. Now let me, I gotta ask you, I mean, it's like you've been in there for 11 years. You're, you're, I have three kids too, I have three, I have three boys as well. It's not like a sexy space. Like what will make a young guy, you know, <laughs> a young guy say, "Yeah, I want to do payments." That sounds like yeah, I can make a bunch of money doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for for your average, you know, sophomore in college, it's probably not the the first choice for jobs. But for me, there were a couple of things that were really enticing about the space. I think thing one, uh, if I'm being honest, was the residual income. So the idea of you know going out there and signing up business owners and being able to pick my own schedule, work when I was available, because I was still in school, and then and sign up business owners, and you know here I am over. At decade later, still, you know, earning a check every month from accounts that I signed up 11 years ago. And so that was that was one of the things that, that inspired me. And the other was actually just getting out there and talking to small business owners and realizing how frustrated they were with the status quo of the current options, you know, that were available uh, to them. And so for me, it felt like it was something that I could come in and, and make an impact on, you know, these small business owners' lives. And it was something that was pretty interesting to me uh, as far as the residual income.
0: What sparked it? Was that the residual income? I mean, how did we sit and college, you know, was it like a was a professor saying something about payments and you're like, hey, that's it, man. I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna knock on some businesses and see if I could get this business. What was that thing that, you know, sparked it? Do you have a friend, a family in that business?
1: Yeah, the, the original interest. So my my partner in the company, his stepdad uh, had founded uh, an online payments business back in the in the late nineties and had done pretty well. Uh, out of that company, and so we were we were talking to him between uh, for me it was summer between sophomore and junior year of college, and we're just learning more about the the payments industry and what he was sharing was his experience in the in the online payments ecosystem. But neither of us were developers; we didn't have this huge pile of money to to go start a company at 19. But we knew that we could go start an ISO. So you can you can start an ISO with a couple hundred bucks. Go Anything. sign uh, up an agreement with the the big guys, and so it was a pretty low barrier to entry. But uh, it felt like a way that we could at least go out there and explore and see if uh this was something that that we could build out.
0: What kind of income were you making? Were you like driving a Beamer like when you're in a sophomore in college? Were you like, "Hey, I just made 50 grand. I'm I'm buying myself a Mercedes or a Beamer?" Like what was your you yeah. know, 19, 20 years old in college, making all, you know, making some money. What what was, uh, what was driving you?
1: I would say initially it started out kind of, you know, beer, beer money. How, how do we have money to, <laughs> to go out and, you know, have some fun, eat some, eat some food. And then over time, as we started to to scale it up, all of a sudden it started to become this meaningful, you know, income stream. By the time I'm graduating, it's like, okay, I'm paying tuition, <laughs> you know, with the money that, that I'm bringing in. And by the time I graduated, you know, what was originally a side hustle that I never really envisioned being a long term career turned into like, okay, this is actually what I think I'm going to go do, you know, with my life. And so after school, pursued that, you know, full time for a number of years. And then as I started to scale that up, I started getting these opportunities to go consult for for software companies. And that's that's really where I started to notice my passion, you know, for for the payment space.
0: So you never even what did you go to school for, if you don't mind me asking, what did you go to college for
1: business administration. So took all, all to graduate business classes, I did, you, I did end up graduating in, in the end.
0: Okay. Uh, my my parents in. are
1: probably thankful for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you said like, Hey, I'm not even looking for a job. You know, you already had, you know, your business, you were already making some money. And you said, hey, I don't I don't need to go look for a job. And that's one thing that I always say, I think. And like I said, I have have twin boys are in college and I tell them you got to go with the right mindset because a lot of times school trained you how to get a job. You know, you have to have that mindset to say, hey, I'm going to be a creator. I'm going to go develop my own business rather than just go make somebody else's dream come true. I'm going to make my own dream come true. And you realize that. know super young. Yeah.
1: And I feel like for me it it was it was interesting building that business at the same time going through, you know, the the business degree in college, where for for me, I feel like I learned so much more building the actual business and being able to actually apply, you know, the lessons that I was learning going through through college. And it was just this this incredible experience for me where I had always thought that I was going to go get an MBA after you know, my undergraduate degree. But the reality for me, I felt like the process of building that business really was the trial by fire, you know, version of an MBA, okay. at least for for me personally.
0: Hey, that's worth way more than any MBA. You know, I mean, running into your own business, you're getting real life experience. One thing that I'm sure you had to deal with, I would think I, I dealt with this at a young age. I started businesses when I was young. Also, how do people take you serious? I remember I hired my first employee. He was double my age. I'm like 18. He's like, 35. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like, how do they, when you go to a business, you're 19, 20 years old, you know, how do people take you, you know, serious?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think for us, you know, not, not only are we, you know, 19 year old college students, but we're getting these business owners to trust us with the livelihood for their business. So they're trusting us with their credit card processing. Give which me for, all your credit
0: card information. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to so need your far, social yeah.
1: security and your driver's license, your bank account yeah. information. And, you know, 90% of your income is going to, you know, run through, through me, me, but don't, don't worry. You know, you can, you can trust me for me uh, honestly one of my practical tips was was dressing up and so i i was out wearing you know, a tie and a coat uh, every day when I was going out knocking doors. And so I don't know how much older it made me look. Maybe instead of 19, I looked, you know, 22 or, or something. But at least for me, I felt like it made that difference and and gave off that at least a sense of professionalism, at least if, you know, they were thinking he looks young, but at least he looks, you know, professional walking in the
0: door. No, I think that's huge, man. I think that's a, that's a golden nugget right there, you know, because I, I preached that to my own. I have three boys, you know, when we go out to dinner, I'm like, yo, I'm not taking you out for you to dress up and back. Basketball shorts and a t shirt. <laughs> like, you know, put on a collar shirt, put on some pants. You know, we're going out to dinner. You know, look like you're somebody, look like you're important. And that's something that's huge, especially nowadays. You know, people take, you know, the casual look. It's like you get onto an airplane. I'm like, what were you thinking? People are in you pajamas. Know, like, <laughs> you know, what were you thinking? You know, rolling in with pajamas, you know, or the bikini <laughs> you just got off the beach from. Like, what were you thinking? You know, so I think that's a huge, you know, that's a big deal, you know, as a young person or even, you know, as a young professional, you know, to look, to look appropriate, you know, go out there and represent, be proud of yourself. Don't look like you just roll it out of bed, you know, look like you put some effort into yourself. So when you're going to sell somebody, you look like a professional you say, Hey, this person, you know, obviously, you know, they put themselves together. So I think yeah. that's, that's something that's a big deal. So now, yeah, what dress are you? To impress. That's it, dress to impress, man. Dress to impress. You never know who you're gonna see. You know, you never know who you're gonna see. So you move from that. You said from high school. I mean, from college. You know, then you started consultant for other, um, you know, businesses. What was that like? I mean, were they huge companies? Were they companies? You know, mid tier?
1: Yeah, some some of them were pretty pretty large businesses. And so, you know, most of the consulting work that I did was for vertical software companies. So think companies like golf course management or dental software management solutions. Mm-hmm. And they were typically processing anywhere from about a hundred million to over a billion dollars payments. And so, oh. you know, think about a company doing That's over a billion dollars of payments, pre- pretty sizable, you know, yeah. company, a couple hundred employees. And for, for me they're really interesting experiences because i was typically either brought in by investors in the company or like a fractional cfo in the business and the the common thread for a lot of these companies was that they were an expert in their domain so they knew everything there was to know about golf courses or dental you know practices or a chiropractor business and how to provide software you know for those industries but they weren't experts in payments And so, you know, they were working with someone like a Stripe or someone like a Braintree or maybe a WorldPay, and they just weren't sure if they were making the right decisions. They didn't know how to read the statements. They didn't understand the contract. They didn't know if their pricing, you know, was good or bad. And so they were trying to get somebody to come in and help them just make sense of, of what was going on. So for me, it was a a really interesting learning experience to realize that even these monster companies, hundreds of employees, you know, over a billion dollars in payments. Didn't have anybody on the team that actually fully understood you know how all the payments were operating uh within their business and uh re- really interesting experiences
0: for me so that's where you saw the opportunity you said hey they don't you know you're educating them you're showing them hey this is how you read the bill these are where the hidden fees are this is where everything's at and this is what we provide now what do you provide that's different than some of the competitors that i think i would think there's some of the competitors that you just mentioned what were they what would you what are you doing different than they were doing back then, and now, what are you doing different to continue to, you know, take market share?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, you know, when I look at what we're doing here at Tilled, uh, you know, we call uh, our offering PayFact as a service. And so, when you look at that that large company that was doing, you know, over a billion dollars in in payments, you know, going through their platform, they were convinced that they wanted to go become a registered payment facilitator. And the reality was, you know, at the time, this was, you know, seven plus years ago, uh, before mm-hmm. most people even knew what PayFAC meant. The, the typical process was like a two-year multi-million dollar process to go wow. become a, a registered PayFAC. And you can imagine the average you know software company doesn't actually want to go spend two years millions of dollars yeah, to, to go become a PayFAC. And at TILD, the, the original hypothesis was what would need to be true for a software business to integrate to TILD, leverage the benefits of the PayFAC model. But be up and running in one week, and so that was the the original wow. thought, uh, you know, four and a half years ago. And at this point, you know, we've gotten our average integration down to nine days for a software company to come integrate to tilt. And so certainly the the time to market, the easy to implement APIs are a major, major differentiator for us, you know, relative to legacy solutions that, you know, WorldPay and, and some of the legacy providers, you know, are bringing to the table where you could realistically be looking at a six to 12 month integration, just the developer, you know, integration, not not to mention kind of the compliance piece and contract negotiation and having to deal with, you know, Fortune 100, you know, businesses. And so the time to market's certainly critical. There's also this revenue component where a lot of the clients that were coming to us were doing hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions. So, you know, this this healthcare software platform, 300 million in payments, they're making $0 in payment revenue with Stripe. And, you know, these guys are talking to their buddies and like, all of a sudden you're 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 making hundreds of thousands of dollars you know a year on payment processing like why am I giving away all yeah, of this all revenue money. to Stripe like surely there's an opportunity here and so we provide these companies with the easy to integrate solution the ability to monetize those payments and earn the lion's share you know of the, the revenue and then I think one of the the bigger kickers we're really leading into now when you talk about kind of what we're starting to differentiate with and what one of our focuses is Going forward is on providing go to market support for these software platforms. Where for a lot of these guys, payments is not core to their business, but it can mm-hmm. actually be a meaningful part of their revenue. Strategy, but that doesn't really pan out if you've only got 10% of your customers processing payments <laughs> through yeah. your platform. And so, you know, some of our clients have thousands of customers on their platform, but they only have hundreds of merchants processing payments through them. And so we're really, you know, working with our clients to think through how they actually take this to market to drive that attach rate, which ultimately has a pretty meaningful impact on the revenue stream for their business.
0: And you, so you're keeping everything on their platform so they don't have to go out to that that third party to do that, plat- to do that payment, they're doing it on their platform through your software, through your
1: fully integrated your turnkey yeah. white label solutions. From, and so
0: from not from like six to nine months to nine days, like who thought of like, what, I mean, do you have a development background too that you're like, you're not saying like <laughs> who thought of like, Hey, let's take this thing that takes a year and bring it down to two weeks. You know, like, I mean, how, how was that? Uh, that process had to be daunting, I would think.
1: Yeah, there were uh, there were a lot of challenges, and I think that the reality is, you know, despite that being the hypothesis and the idea, you know, from day one of TILD, that wasn't the reality day one when we launched the business. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So for us, you know, we're four and a half years into into building out Tilled it took us about two and a half years of building the technology and figuring out all the old regulatory components before we were even live in market, you know, processing our first transactions. And so, you know, the reality was there was this really, really difficult, you know, build period to even get into market. And then even from there, there were still a ton of things that we had to figure out to get from where we started to, you know, the current reality of that nine-day integration.
0: Now, how did you survive those two years in business? If you don't have money coming in, did you raise money or did you just say, hey, we're going to, Bootstrapped this. Then, what was uh, what was the first two years like?
1: Yeah, I'd say a combination of of those things. Okay. And so for for me, definitely pouring a, a lot of you know personal money in in the in the very early days, uh, kind of friends and family money for the first probably about eighteen months. Of building out uh the the business. And for me, there was this period where I, I knew there were some pretty critical hurdles that if we couldn't get over some of these initial hurdles, like there there wasn't a viable business for us yep. to to go build out. And so, you know, I spent the first Ten months or so as a solo founder, really validating some of the technical components, some of the regulatory components, and, and making sure that this thing really had legs before I started hiring uh, developers and hiring employees and and really you know pouring you know time and and money and resources you know behind the the project. And then for us, uh, it was probably about two years in that we were able, almost two years in that we were able to to go out and raise. It was a little over two million dollar, you know, seed round for that's for and that was right in the middle of COVID. We were a three person company that didn't even have a live website, uh, but we had a killer pitch deck, some
0: great ideas. <laughs> the for, world for was ending. In, hey, in give me two space. million bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go make you some more money. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So you started with by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. what did it look like? Two years in, how many employees? You know, what do you guys look like now? Some of those growing pains. I'm sure. I mean, I, I read a little bit about you guys and it looks like you're growing rapidly. You know, so what were some of those, you know, from going from yourself to, you know, scaling that business up? Yes. Yeah, so when
1: we closed on on that initial uh seed funding, I think we were four people on the team. And so, you know, call it call it two years in, I think maybe we were up to five, you know, people on the team. Uh, today we've got over fifty you know, oh, people on the on the team. And so, you know, definitely. Uh, a pretty interesting experience, you know, building what what I would consider kind of a rapidly scaling company over the last, you know, two years. And at this point, you know we've raised over 34 million in in outside oh, capital uh, over a number of different funding rounds uh we've got over a hundred different software companies you know that leverage the the till platform you know today and so there there's definitely been a, a journey from that the solo founder days where the business wasn't called till to, to where we are today you know sitting here major major clients um fantastic investors and an unbelievable team
0: behind us that's awesome that's awesome. Now, what was that one thing that took you from say, hey, you know, we got four or five people, you know, we're up to 50 people. Some of those, some of that pain. I mean, we we experience every business, every small business, medium business, even large businesses experience that pain. What can you tell people to say, hey, like, don't make this mistake or make sure you do this one thing? What's that uh, you know, if you could think of that thing, what would it be?
1: Yeah, I think for for us, when I look at the the initial go-to-market strategy that that we had for the business, originally we were planning this this outbound cold calling you know approach, which that was my background. I Knocking was on doors. doors. I was cold calling, and yeah. that was what was that, familiar that you know to me. And so in my head, okay, great. Well, that's going to work perfectly, you know, for for till And so we'd hired a couple of folks to, to go build that out and but at the same time I was posting on LinkedIn and sharing my my personal journey as an entrepreneur the frankly the challenges of building out a business the challenges that our customers were seeing and then you know ultimately the solution that we were bringing to market and we just started to see this incredible demand from folks resonating with what we were posting on LinkedIn and the stories that that we were sharing and I think we were fortunate to, to be, you know, eyes wide open going in and willing to make quick pivots. And so for us, we essentially made a, a pretty quick decision to shut down the outbound strategy and go all in on, you know, content marketing and LinkedIn, the way for us to, to build out the business and so there was the mistake of thinking hey what i've done before is you know absolutely going to work again but then you know there was the kind of aha moment of hey i think there's a, a better way here you know we've got to go double down and and spend our time and energy you know scaling up what was originally not even necessarily plan b it was just something that i was doing on the side uh, and it happened to to work you know 10 times better <laughs> than what you know our original plan a was and you know we we weren't uh too proud to to say hey my, my original plan is not working. Let's, let's go embrace, you know, what's, what's working
0: in the business. That's huge. And something, I mean, you said a couple of things that I think that were incredible. That is like most business people, sometimes they just have to be right. And I'm like, listen, it's not about being right. <laughs> right. You don't have to be right. Definitely you have not. to be successful. You have to make money, right. To stay in business. Right. Like I'm, I'm wrong all the time. I always tell everybody I'm wrong more than I'm probably right. But when I'm right, what you just said is I double down, you know, when I'm right, I lean in and I'm like, all right, this is working. Let's, Let's go like poker. Let's go all in now. You know, this is the strategy. And and you found that that LinkedIn was, you know, successful. And that's where you said, hey, let's lean in on this and let's, you know, scale this thing up. And obviously it's working. You know, obviously you guys seem to be doing an amazing job. So that's, that's super cool. Hey, so how will people find you? Like if somebody say, hey, I need, I need help, right? This is, this is a pain point for my business. You know, this is something that, you know, I'm listening to that. I I, I know I get payments. I just don't know much about it because I don't think anyone dreams of how their credit card processes work, you know, or anything like that. So how would they say, hey, yes, I'm I'm receiving millions of dollars, you know, or whatever. Even a smaller business, how do how do they get into contact with you guys?
1: Yeah. So we just mentioned LinkedIn. I'd uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh you know advertise my, my personal LinkedIn and the Tilled LinkedIn. So come follow you know me Caleb Avery or or Tild on on LinkedIn. Uh, our website's also a fantastic resource. And so you know we pride ourselves on putting out a lot of educational content. So even if you don't pick TILD, uh to to process and monetize your payments, you can still come to our website and read our ebooks, our blogs, watch some videos, and, and really learn more about payments in general. What is PayFAC as a service, and why you as a you know the owner or you know developer at a vertical software business wants to consider embedding and monetizing payments uh, within your
0: platform. All right, awesome, man. That was cool. Well, we appreciate you, Caleb. Thank you so much for uh, doing the podcast.